welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I'm fortunate to have Steve Chapel, my good friend with Chapel Guide Service, on the line. And we're going to be talking today about Arizona. And Steve has guides all over the state of Arizona. Uh, I'm going to be specifically talking to him today about uh, Unit 9. And he's got archery hunters uh, for the hunt coming up. And Anxious to get his take on how things look out there. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jay. It's awesome to be in northern Arizona and be talking with you. <laughs> well, I'm pumped, too. You know, um, I ran that series of uh, uh, you uh, talking about your elk calls, talking about elk calling, and I just had unbelievable response um, from people saying how much, you know, they learn from you. Uh, when you're blowing your calls and, and what have you, and we may touch on that here in a little bit. First and foremost, okay. um, Steve, you you um, uh, have guided in Unit 9 for a long, long time. You and I, for those listeners that don't know, you and I actually used to be partners in the guide business uh, for yeah. many years and um, have been uh-huh. friends for a long, long time. Uh, what do you see out there in Unit 9 for this 2017 season as far as range conditions and whatnot? Jay, I'm really excited about how it looks. We had that typical dry spell of, you know, May, June, and into July. But then the monsoons fired up and, you know, really hit northern Arizona. And, you know, what I've been seeing here in Unit 9 is really encouraging. There, there, I mean, there's great feed out there. It's very green. Um, the bulls are obviously already bugling. They're not, heavy, you know, heavy rut yet, but I think that's going to come. Um, I'm encouraged with the level of bugling right now, and I think that's due to the, the cows being healthy, <clears throat> and they're going to cycle normally this year. So I think we're going to have a really good rut. I'm a little surprised... Um, you know, uh, water in the tanks is a little bit spotty. You know, you're not going to go to every single tank that's on the map and find water. Matter of fact, in certain parts of the unit, uh, water's hard to come by. Um, so, you know, it's kind of limited to game and fish trick tanks in certain areas. Um, but even in those areas, uh, the green up is good. I think it's just because those areas where there's not a lot of pond water didn't get hit with those gully-washing type of rains. And whereas some other parts of the unit unit did, um, but I think we're going to have you know widespread elk all over the unit. Um, I think a person hunting any quadrant of this unit is going to going to have success and be an elk. So it, it's a great year to have a unit nine tag for sure. That's awesome. You know, uh, Steve. Um, you know, unit nine and unit ten are fairly arid units for Arizona and. You and I have both seen both units, but specifically Unit 9, where, you know, one year the east side has a lot of green, one year the west side. It's very rare to kind of put it all together. From what I'm hearing you uh, saying, uh, is it fairly widespread in that there's not, uh, you know, the the big bear spots here and there? I mean, I'm sure there is, but from a, from a, general perspective it's it's all quadrants are fairly green compared to normal yes absolutely um you know a lot of times the west side can seem like it's just rocks and dirt and trees and you wonder what the elk are eating but uh 
this year it looks good on the west side as well as the east side. So I think a, a hunter could have success and have action, you know, hunting either side of the highway this year for sure. You know, last year, Steve, I believe the archery hunt started on the 9th. That's just going off memory. And yeah. this year, I think it starts on the 15th. In your mind, how how much does that additional six days or, I guess, a week uh, play into um, the timing of the season compared to last year? In my mind, you know, the 9th is, I think, the earliest date that it can fire on. Um, and it always seems like it's kind of a slow go on the 9th. How do you see this year shaping up being a week later? I think it's fantastic because last year I kind of felt like the hunt was really a week-long hunt instead of a two-week hunt because basically the first week was just a wash pretty much. So the good thing with this year, with it starting on the 15th, is from what I'm seeing you know, with the level of bugling right now, I feel like a guy's going to have a full two-week hunt instead of just that, you know, five to seven days like last year. And it can get really frustrating, you know, when when the hunt starts on the ninth and you're just not having a lot of success. And a lot of times what that will cause a person to do is kind of lose sight of how special their tag is. And And I also realize not everybody has two weeks to hunt, so the hunt can get really short on them. But even a guy with two weeks you can lose lose sight of how special your tag is and you can in a moment of weakness you can shoot a bull that maybe you didn't come to the hunt wanting to shoot um this year i don't think that's going to be the case i i think all the stars are aligned uh, we've got a great moon phase we've got good feed we've got good antler growth uh, the bugling started up already i i just think everything lines up for a really phenomenal hunt this year Steve, you run a bunch of trail cameras um, throughout the summer and have for many years. You talk about antler growth. Um, where do you see it on a scale of comparison with any other year? Or, you know, is it average? Is it above average? Is it just absolutely excellent? Like, you know, c compared to history, what, what are you seeing out there? I would say, Jay, it's definitely strong above average. Um, I don't know that it's the best I've ever seen, but it's definitely very strong. Um, you know, I had kind of backed off of this unit a little bit when we talked in an earlier podcast this year as far as the trophy quality. But there, there's some really nice bulls. There, you know, there's quite a few of the 340, 350 kind of bulls around. I'm not going to say they're around every tree. They're certainly not. Um, but that kind of bull can be had. Um, you know, and then there's a small handful of real special bulls, you know, 370, 380 and better. Um, again, not, not common, and, you know, a guy would really be taking a risk to hold out for that kind of bull um, and have to be, you know, just a real solid extreme trophy hunter. But, uh, yeah, from what I'm seeing compared to the recent years, the antler growth is, is, is really good this year. That's great. You talk about the elk already sounding off, already bugling. What kind of interaction do you see them having? You know, have the bigger bulls moved in with cows? Um, you know, what level would you say, you, you know, that it's at? Is, I mean, is it game on or is it days from being game on? Or, or do, you, you know, do you feel like it's just, you know, um, 
you know, where are we at as far as the timing for, I, I guess, where guys can just go out and hear lots of bugling and have, you know, good action, say, till 9, 9.30 in the morning, and then maybe even bulls yeah. fire up at, you know, 4, 4.30. Are they already there yet, or is it is it not there? Yeah, it's not quite there. Um, I have seen bulls with cows already. Um I saw a nice probably 350 class bull with about a dozen cows this morning. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely not in that full rut, mad, screaming kind of rut yet. So I believe there's still some bigger bulls that are not cowed up at this point. I look for that hard rut to happen, you know, right around the 18th, 20th, right in there, and then last for about the last week of the season. Um, so, there, you know, there would be potentially the chance to catch a bull right now that is interested in cows but not with them yet, which is our, our dream as callers. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, I haven't heard just that frenzy kind of bugling where a bull is just jealously, angrily defending his harem from satellite bulls, but it's, it's going to get there any day. That's great. You know, um, going back to earlier where you were talking about the feed and fairly widespread in the four quadrants of the unit, um, you know, one of the things about Unit 9 typically is those elk really like to run to that um, uh, Grand Canyon National Park. Do you feel that the feed is widespread enough that there are going to be some elk and some bulls that, you know, don't seek refuge in the park? Or do you think, you know, quote-unquote, once the shooting starts, uh, once the crew rolls in, do you feel like those elk know where the park line is and they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to be on the park uh, like normal? Or what are your thoughts for um, some of those guys that, you know, like to hunt that park line? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like the feed and the water situation on the state side is good enough to, for the elk to be over here for sure. Um, but I believe, like you do, just over time, these elk, just by conditioning, have learned that, you know, when they're on this state side and they're rutting, and it's that time of year, that all of a sudden, you know, the barrage of vehicles and uh, people, you know, approaching them when they're bugling and, and they smell human scent and they hear calls and ev- everything, you know, that goes along with the hunt, um, that they're conditioned to know that when they go over that fence that there's refuge there and they don't get pressured. <clears throat> I mean, I've learned that by, you know, trying to call bulls over the fence in the evening and they'll just sit there and they'll bugle at you, but most times they're going to they're going to stay on <laughs> on the wrong they side of the fence. They know what that fence, fence so. is. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I hate yeah. saying that because I believe animals are animals and you know, we're a special creation. We're totally different than animals. They don't have the reasoning power that we have, but they learn by experience. And, and, you know, having encounters and, and bad things happening, they're conditioned. Um, so I, I, I believe there is, you know, some sensibility to what they do. For sure. Uh, Steve, you have guides kind of all over the state on different um, in different units for elk. Uh, is there any units to you that maybe don't get um, the limelight that some of the others that maybe sneak up on some guys this year and might actually produce um, some sleeper bulls, or from your guides, anybody reporting in, um, just trying to get information as far as just general information for listeners out there, what they can expect on their hunt, 
Um, do you have any intel from, you know, any of the other units that you guide that, you know, is, is maybe better or worse than normal? Yeah, that's a great question, Jay. I really do feel like some of those units that aren't top shelf units, I mean, everybody knows, you know, like 9 and 1 and 3C and 23 and, you know, 10 to some degree are, are kind of the top units, um, you know, maybe 27 somewhat. And then everything else is maybe a step down from there. But I really feel like a person that has maybe like a 7 West or an 8 uh, you know, or even, you know, even any of the sixes or the fives could potentially run into, you know, an exceptional bull because I drove today from here in Unit 9 to Flagstaff to pick up an extra travel trailer for camp, and I was just impressed with how good the range conditions were all the way there from here, you know, going through 7 West and 7 East and you know, obviously, um, the units that are nearby are going to have the same conditions. So, yeah, I think there's going to be some exceptional bulls taken out of units that maybe don't get the ink that these top five say do. Yeah, for sure. Um, have Have any of your um, guides reported in? Uh, you know, bugling across the state. Are, are you hearing the same type of reports that what you've seen in nine or? Have you heard, you know, some of the other units are quieter or, or parts of the state are, you know, more on fire? Have you got any intel on that in, in that regard? Um, it sounds like from what I've heard from a couple of my guides that they, they might be a little hotter in 3C right now in 1, um, which doesn't shock me. Those are typically pretty good bugling units. Um, we don't have any 1 for the archery hunt in 23. So I don't have any intel on that, um, but it seems like the White Mountains usually are pretty pretty good units for bugling over there. For sure. Just a couple more questions, Steve, and I know you've got uh, dinner and probably some scouting to do tonight. Um, no worries. With with the archery dates, you know, bumped back to the fifteenth, it makes for a great archery hunt. How do you see that playing out on those early rifle hunts that start the next day after the archery season? Do you somewhat fear that they'll be so fired up that possibly we'll be dealing with broken points, um, or do you feel like antler growth is solid enough that, and the feed is good enough that the 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 you know the antlers will be solid and maybe not break up as much? Yeah, I think that'll definitely help us because like you and I have observed over the years, it seems like on the more droughty years, they can really experience broken points, especially in units like 10. Um, but I do feel like the great feed could, you know, lend itself to, you know, fewer broken antlers. Um, I do fear a little bit that the early rifle hunt with the dates that, say, the first couple, three days could be really rocking. And then when we get into October and you get into the first few days of October, that as we've seen before, it's not always this way, but sometimes you get into early October and that rut can just, from one day to the next, just really taper off. You know what I mean, Jay? You've seen that before. For sure. It's almost like they've just rutted their guts out and then they need, yeah. sometimes I've seen it, Steve, where like they need like a week. And then all of a sudden, like the 7th of October, they fire back up again just because it's almost yeah. like, you know, that second rut, the cows that didn't cycle. I mean, you've heard all that, but some of it, I think, is pressure, and they just kind of take a breather. 
Um, but it'll be interesting yep. to see how it plays out. Uh, Steve, in conclusion, um, you obviously, you are the best elk caller that I know. You, you, um, I, I take pride in, in, in giving you a call that Will Primos made, I think, and you're like, what is that call? And I gave it to you, and you were already a great caller. But then you, I think you even took a used call and popped it in your mouth, and then that's 20 years ago or something. But you have honed your skill to an unbelievable level on all aspects from bugling to cow calling to external reads to mouth calls, you know, to designing your own calls and you have your own uh, line of calls out there and you, you, you take it very, very seriously. Um, and from that standpoint, what advice could you give uh, guys that will be listening to this podcast, maybe going on their first elk hunt, or maybe guys that are very experienced as far as um, using those calls to be effective. Um, and I know it sounds kind of like a weird question, but, you know, do you have any bit of advice for the beginner or even for the expert in their calling um, for the guys that want to listen and learn uh, in general, you know, we could go for hours about this, but, you know, what are some basics that you would say, you know, this is what you should be doing? You bet, Jay. And I always take it back to the basics because if I try to make it too hard, then I find myself struggling. So obviously the first thing is um, yesterday I left camp without my wind checker and I felt completely helpless. So that, besides my calls, is my most important part of gear. my gear is that wind checker because I need to know what those thermals are doing. Sometimes they're so slight you can't even tell, but the elk can certainly smell you by the thermals. So, you know, that's my first tip is always hunt with the wind in your favor no matter how fanatical you are about your scent control. And then next is to use the terrain and the vegetation to get as close to bugling elk as you can before you start blowing the call. Um, you know, some elk will come from, from a long ways away to a call, but, you know, in my years of calling, I found that distance makes a lot of difference, and when you make it super convenient for them, because generally when they're coming to a call, they're going to be, they're going to lose the wind advantage, if that makes sense. They're no longer going to have the wind at their advantage because you have it at your advantage. So if they're having to go against the grain of the wind for a long ways, they, they don't really like doing that. It, it makes them nervous to do that. So that's why I believe that the closer and more convenient you can get to them to where they don't have to betray that wind for very long to get to you, they're going to be more apt to come to it, uh, you know, obviously especially herd bulls. And then, you know, aside from that, when you get in close, the hardest part of that is emotion control when you get in there close because you've been listening to that bull bugle, you've been stalking in, and I'll even find that I catch myself kind of holding my breath, <laughs> and that doesn't help with my calling because I get into that shallow breath breathing pattern. So I try to talk to myself as I'm walking in and make myself take deep breaths in through my nose and out my mouth and just control my breathing to where I've, I've got my emotions under control when I get in there. And then mentally I just try to tell myself, okay, this is no different than blowing the call in my truck or at my house. I'm still going to go through the same 
exact sequence as I would when I'm practicing with the call, and I just try to place myself mentally in that spot because I'm sure you're just like me, Jay, when you get in tight and the bull's bugling and you know maybe glunking or whatnot, it's very easy to get caught up emotionally. And when your emotions are high and your breathing is shallow, it's so hard to blow a call well. And when you're in close, I feel like you need to blow that call just nice and subtle and sweet. The first call out of your mouth, you don't. if you're 100 yards away from a bull and he doesn't even know you're there, and if your first call is loud and harsh, that's not how you want to introduce yourself to him. You want to be think about being whispering in his ear and being soft and sexy to him is how I like to state it. I think that's a great tip, and I've seen you so many times, and one thing I can say from watching you is you have a – when you go to your call, you seem – your whole demeanor has a very calming – you seem like you're mellow. You may be going crazy inside, but I see you take <laughs> yeah. a deep breath, and I see you kind of just mellow into your call, and just it, – it's it's an awesome thing where I've, I think um, – I even fight it, you know, you, you make those harsh sounds, you make those abrupt sounds, and those are not what you want. You want to calm yourself. I think that's a great tip, and I've seen you do it over and over. Um, I want to encourage anyone that hasn't listened to Steve call, uh, go to YouTube, um, put in Chapel, it's either, what is it, Chapel Hunting Production Chapel. or Chapel Guide Service, or Steve Chapel, yes. um, yep, and you can Steve watch Chapel. these yep. videos. Yeah, Steve Chapel. Watch these videos. You can go to his website, uh, ChapelGuideService.com, and seriously, anybody that's hunting in any state that wants to blow an elk call, um, you might as well learn from the best. Um, Steve, it's been awesome having you on here. I wish you the best of success in Unit Nine. Uh, I, I know whoever you're hunting with uh, is going to have just a, a great time. And um, your cousin's got a tag. Gary's got a tag. I'm super yeah. pumped for him. He's such a great guy. I hope he uh, has a great yeah. hunt, which I know he will. He's a phenomenal hunter. Um, so I uh, just uh, wish you the best. And I want to give you a chance uh, to let people know uh, where they can buy your calls, uh, your DVDs. Obviously, you have uh, the, the Extreme Bulls DVD series and um, – just to tell people where the best place they can follow along on your adventures. Sure. And, Jay, I really appreciate how kind you are to me and the compliments. I mean, you're, you're, I don't know that I can ever live up to them. And, uh, hey, when I want to improve my diaphragm cow calling, I listen to you. You're, you're the best there is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm done telling you. I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> no, it's the truth. But uh, anyway, to order my calls or DVDs, uh, folks can order them straight off my website, chapelguideservice.com. Um, there's free shipping for any amount over $9.95. Um, they can also get them from Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, who manufactures my calls, and their website is buglingbull.com. And then, you know, they're available in various outlets like Cabela's and Sportsman's Warehouse. Um, probably some local, you know, uh, chains as well, um, up sure. in Flagstaff and other areas in the North Country. So, um, yeah, fairly widely available. Awesome, bud. Well, um, thank you so much, and uh, knock them dead. Uh, I'll be expecting great things, as I always do, from 
from you and your team, and um, God bless, and um, thanks for sharing some knowledge with us, okay? Thanks, Jay. It was great to visit with you, and I, I'm so excited. I can't wait till Friday morning. <laughs> awesome. Not and I'm dead, buddy. And I want to wish all the listeners out there the very best on their hunts, too. And uh, just have fun. Don't pressure up too much. Um, you know, it's not always about the size of the, of the elk, but the size of the experience. And just have fun out there, guys, and uh, good things will happen for you if you keep things in perspective. Awesome, buddy. God bless. Catch you later. God bless, Jay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.